are vegans judgmental? Do people think vegans are judgmental? Why? I'm getting to the bottom of the science of putting vegans down with social psychologist Dr. Julia Minson. Marla Rose invites bacon-loving hipsters to kiss her vegan ass, and we're joined by the compassionate cook renowned for vegan campaigning without ranting. With Ian McDonald, Diana Fleischman. And me, Colleen Patrick-Goudreau. This is The Vegan Option. We, of course, are entirely without judgment. Well, maybe not all the time, but Laura, who blogs as the Market Vegan, said very kindly we were good listening for vegans and non-vegans alike. And if that isn't a testament to our non-judgmentalness, I don't know what is. But have you ever been called judgmental, Ian? Well, I do sometimes need to correct your peculiar English dialect. Well, I distinctly remember you skewering a friend of mine over her journalistic ethics. But that's nothing compared to my everyday short temper. Temper? You? Moving swiftly on, are vegans <sighs> judgmental? Colleen? I think humans are judgmental and vegans are human, so I think it would follow that they can be. I think there's a misconception. I think oh, there's so much to say about it, right? Because I think sometimes vegans can be judgmental, and I think sometimes people who are not vegan can presume that vegans are being judgmental just by saying something like, I'm vegan. You might know about Colleen through her cookbooks and her podcast, Vegetarian Food for Thought. She describes herself as empowering people to live according to their own values of compassion. And her choice of words, educator where others might jump first to the word activist, bringing out people's own values rather than converting them, gives you a sense of Colleen Patrick Goudreau's approach. But what does everybody else think of vegans? I talked to Dr. Julia Minson, a postdoctoral fellow at the University of Pennsylvania in Philadelphia. I am trained as an experimental social psychologist, and I do research primarily on um, sort of why people disparage and put down others who hold different opinions um, from themselves on sort of a variety of topics. So also, I happen to be a vegetarian myself. So when we started talking about the way people react to vegetarians, it was interesting on both kind of a personal level and on a theoretical professional level, um, because I think a lot of people have experienced, you know, have had this experience where they sort of go out to lunch, order a salad, tell, you know, the server to hold a chicken and then find themselves explaining their choice for 15 minutes, even though it was sort of not in any way meant to influence the behavior of others, right? Like you just made a personal choice and then all of a sudden you find defending it. And so we just thought that that was a very interesting phenomenon. It was interesting to see where it stems from because it could inform um, our understanding of um, sort of the way people react to moral choices more generally. I'm sorry to do this to you, but can you tell me the gist of study one in four sentences or less? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sure. So basically, we had participants generate the words that they freely associate with vegetarians. And we saw that 
47% of the associations were negative associations, things like preachy, weird, um, judgmental, etc. And we also asked participants to rate their own morality and sort of predict how they think vegetarians would rate their morality. We found that participants expected vegetarians to rate them as being less moral than how they rated themselves. Um, and that sort of anticipation of moral reproach on the part of vegetarians correlated with the terms that the participants generated when they were free associating. So the more they expected vegetarians to rate their morality as negative, the more negative were the terms that the participants um, came up with when they thought about a typical vegetarian. When we were first submitting this paper, some of the reviews we got were like, well, we don't understand what you're trying to show here that's interesting. Of course, vegetarians are annoying. You know, when vegetarians come to my house and they want like a different thing and, you know, they won't eat the hamburgers and I have to come up with a different entree. That's irritating. Like, how how is this interesting psychology? Of course, she's talking about vegetarians, but it's it's not likely that vegans are going to be rated any better. I've had a range of reactions from people in my decades of being vegan. One turned vegan, then back again, and asked me not to preach at him when we reconnected on Facebook. I've had a broad range of reactions, some good, some bad, also some like you, just asking me not to talk about it. But none of these reactions are as bad as the one I would give myself if I could meet my former self. I was a really offensive omnivore when I still ate meat. But... What about Colleen? I mean, what kind of reactions have you had? Very positive, overwhelmingly positive. And this is why I advocate being a joyful vegan and someone who's approachable. You know, when I'm talking with someone about veganism, I don't want them to walk away remembering something I, remembering me. I don't want them to think about me. I want them to think about themselves and their own behavior and the animals. So when I'm having this conversation and dialogue with people, I'm not looking to have an argument. I'm not looking to win. That's the approach I take. And so my reaction or people's reaction to me being vegan is overwhelmingly positive because I come at it very confidently, very joyfully, and very ethically. I mean, I don't hide my ethics at all. And yet they don't put people off, at least, at least as far as I can see, at least as far as I can tell. Marla Rose helps organize festivals and writes Vegan Feminist Agitator, an often scathing critique of what she sees around her. She read me some of her blog from her busy home on the eve of preparations for Chicago Vegan Mania. For the past 17 years, I've heard otherwise intelligent people tell me fantastical tales with a straight face as a means to justify their omnivorous habits. I have heard time after time that plants feel pain, despite having no central nervous system or this notion having no evolutionary logic. I have heard people who in no other ways emulate indigenous people invoke their quote-unquote respect for Native Americans as a way to infuse their meat-eating with an air of quasi-spirituality. Along those same lines, I've heard enough people wax philosophic about the circle of life and their role in the death part of it, to fill the liner notes of every Kansas Moody Blues album ever pressed. 
I've heard people claim that they, quote-unquote, climb to the top of the food chain as if they have fur and blood under their own fingernails. I've heard people insinuate that caring for animals means that you do not care for humans, as if the two cancel each other out, as if we're only allotted a measurable, finite amount of compassion. I've even had someone tell me once that her totem animal is a tiger and her tiger needs meat. Yes, she said this with a straight face. Yes, I almost bit through my lower lip to not burst out laughing. Some advocates for veganism handle people's feelings gently, but it seems from some of your writings and from um, um, bacon-loving hipsters can kiss my vegan ass and stuff like that, um, that this doesn't really necessarily interest you. Tell us about your approach and what you hope to accomplish with some of your more you know, critical approaches, if anything. Sure. Well, anyone who knows me personally um, knows that I am a friendly and warm and um, welcoming individual. I have various different avenues through which I, I speak to the world. And one of them, you know, is through you know, my blog, Vegan Feminist Agitator, and others through things like Bacon-Loving Hipsters Can Kiss My Vegan Ass. And then there are other avenues, such as um, Chicago Vegan Mania, which have a very different approach, but I'm equally comfortable with both. And vegans, you know, we deserve spaces that are ours and places where we can just be and we don't have to explain anything. I actually was once a completely insulting, offensive omnivore. I was one of those people who ate meat in front of people and was like, mm, this is delicious, you can't have any. And I was, uh, yeah, I was a horrible person. But, um, so, but you know, I can still see from a vegan, I mean, from an omnivore's perspective, what something like bacon loving hipsters can look like. So what do you think about making a soft place for us to land um, versus also, this is all public, seeming very judgmental to other people? Well, so be it. <laughs> That's what I have to say. Um, you know, that is one of the frequent charges against vegans that we're judgmental. And the way I look at it is that there is real harm being done. What I, we all make judgments all the time. When I'm riding my bike, I make a judgment and I say, oh, you know what? I need to calibrate better this distance between that parked car and my bike because I don't want to get hit by somebody walking out of the car. Judgmental is different. Judgmental is saying, I think that that person is stupid. I think that that person is a lousy example of a, of a human being. Judgmental is different. Making judgments is what we all do and what we all need to do to be ethical, moral human beings. I mean, we're all complex. We all make mistakes. And listen, mm -hmm. when I first became vegan, there was somebody who um, was new in town. I, was, I had been a vegetarian for a long, long time, and I didn't know about veganism. I didn't know the extent to which I was still participating in the exploitation of animals by consuming dairy and eggs. And he came to town, and he was a really smug, smarmy guy. I did not like him, and I still don't like him. He's not my friend. But he was the one who made me own the fact that I was being hypocritical and that I was not taking it seriously and looking into it honestly. So while he's not my friend, he was pretty much the tipping point for me to become vegan. Mm -hmm. 
So, you know, people shy away from the word judgmental because it has a, it actually has an immoral connotation in and of itself. Um, but when you're saying that somebody's questions are stupid or absurd, isn't that being judgmental? Yes, I mean, it is, but it's still, it, you know, that, that is probably straddling the fence between being judgmental and being honest. But if an adult who can tie his or her own shoes, who can lock a door with a key, who can pay bills on time, still says to me that plants feel pain and, oh my God, what about all the animals overnight? I need to be honest about that and say, listen, you are picking and choosing ridiculous arguments. I'm not saying that I think that you're a stupid person. I'm saying that I think that that question is beneath you. Her stuff is sort of verges on judgmental with bacon-loving hipsters can kiss my vegan ass. And I do think that her stuff's really funny, but certainly it could be perceived as judgmental. So is there <laughs> any place for what I would sort of loosely call judgmental activism or judgmental uh, con- <laughs> not conversion? But yeah. I love Marla, first of all, so <laughs> for the record. Um, look, I think that there is a place for being who you are in activism. It's, it's got to be authentic. You know, that's Marla's personality. This is my personality. You have your own personality. So, you know, what I try to do is, is offer what I think works and what I think works effectively, but within the context of your own personality. I think there are things that we can do as activists that stretch our comfort zones and that help us learn to communicate better, more effectively, but that's not the same thing as changing our personalities. So, you know, if it works, if sure, so sure. I mean, there, there, there's a, there's a place for everybody in this movement. I just think we can be better at, at communication and perception, you know, a, a lot of what I talk about comes from the inside. It starts before I even open my mouth. So when I'm looking at a non-vegan, I'm not cursing them. And I mean that sincerely. And if you are inside, I think they can feel it. And I think they can detect it. And that's where I think there's going to be conflict rather than resolution. So for me, what works better is actually seeing them as a not vegan yet, um, seeing them as compassionate, but it's kind of all covered up and helping them uncover it and, and get to their true compassion. And that works for me. Even if you say nothing about being vegan, game theory might explain why one doesn't always get a positive reaction. In studies of economic games around the world, it seems that people punish those who are more pro-social than they are. Now, I know that economic games are kind of like gambling scientific experiments. But what's pro-social? How do you use economic games to measure this? If you set up an economic game, like an experimental study, where you have everybody putting into a a pot, like let's say um, the game is that everybody puts in whatever amount they choose, and then the amount that they they put in um, gets doubled and then doled out to everybody else. So the more you put in, the more everybody else prospers. And so sort of as the game develops, there's a norm that develops where people start putting in a certain amount every turn of this game. Well, after the norm develops, you can actually punish somebody using some of your own resources. Um, You can punish somebody who's not giving enough, but they found in a lot of cultures that people actually punish people who give too much. Mm. So if everybody's giving five 
units of resources and one person starts giving six, people will punish them. And that's called antisocial punishment. I, I hadn't heard that. And yet I'm not surprised. I mean, it's really interesting because nobody wants to be perceived as being under somebody else, right? I mean, people don't want to be perceived as someone getting ahead of them, especially morally or ethically. And in the first part of what you were talking about, Diana, when you were talking about um, how people perceive themselves as more moral than the average person. I mean, it's so interesting to me. Of course they do. I mean, I often talk about this without citing studies just from my own anecdotal experience, but I often talk about this, that everybody has this perception of themselves and then there's kind of reality. You know, everyone has the perception of themselves that they don't eat a lot of meat, dairy, and eggs. That's what everybody says when you tell them you're vegan. And yet, you don't know how much you eat until you stop. Everybody has the perception that they're eating the most ethically, you know, derived animal products. Nobody says I eat the most violently procured um, animal products. Everybody wants to have this perception of themselves. So that's what I tried to tap into. So that's fascinating. I'm really, I'm really fascinated by that. And then in terms of how they respond to vegans, sure. I mean, this is what I mean about people's presumption about what vegans are going to say. I think we've all been in this experience where we just say, I'm vegan, and someone gets defensive. Julia Minson did another study for that same paper, which manipulated how the threat of being judged on one's morality influenced people's perception of vegetarians. Participants were divided into two groups. In one group, participants first rated vegetarians for things like morality, health, and strength and then rated how vegetarians rate them morally. In the other group, they did the same, but the other way around. Participants first rated how vegetarians would view them morally, and then rated vegetarians either positively or negatively. At the end, both groups of participants filled out a survey about their attitudes to meat. Basically, giving them the chance to imagine vegetarians being judgmental towards them and thus inducing a threat. Um, and what we found was that thinking about how vegetarians would rate you increased the extent to which participants derogated vegetarians. In other words, they saw them as stupider and not as warm and not as moral than they did when they hadn't first considered what vegetarians think of their morality. Um, and so basically, in our mind, that's evidence for the idea that People expect vegetarians to judge their morality negatively, and this feeling of threat is what leads them to derogate vegetarians. Um, you also found something really interesting there where you were say saying that if they were given an opportunity to derogate vegetarians first, then their um, attitudes against meat-eating or their, their attitudes, um, pro-vegetarian attitudes improved. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Because I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. So it's a really interesting result that we sort of didn't expect to find. Um, at the end of both conditions, we asked participants to state um, their level of agreement with a bunch of statements about meat eating. Things like, you know, meat is necessary to a healthy diet or, you know, killing animals for food is unethical. And what we found surprisingly was that participants who first um, had this threat manipulation, right? First, they had to think about how vegetarians would rate them. And then they derogated vegetarians on um, these traits, actually had expressed greater agreement with kind of pro 
vegetarian attitudes than participants in the um, other condition. And so basically what the idea is, is that when you have the opportunity to put down the vegetarians, it may actually make you more open to their message, right? So once you've kind of shot the messenger, you don't also have to burn the message. And um, it's a very interesting idea from the standpoint of moral advocacy, because you know, if you're trying to promote some behavior that is uh, morally based and people kind of put you down as being sort of weird and preachy and irritating, that seems like a bad outcome. But this particular finding suggests that those people who are putting you down may actually end up being a little bit more open-minded because they've had a chance to, you know, restore their own feeling of self-worth by putting down the moral agent. And then it's like, okay, well, now I can listen to these ideas in a little bit more of an open-minded manner. I thought that was it. You might be weird and preachy, but you have a point. (laughs) Right, right, (laughs) right. Whether if I didn't have the opportunity to call you weird and preachy, I would instead sort of take it out on your point. Yeah, I think maybe advocates should say, would you like to insult me before I tell you about why I'm vegetarian? (laughs) Right, 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 exactly. (laughs) That is, I mean, that is really quite interesting. It's just really fascinating to me. If there's not a vegan in the room, if if there's not a vegan in sight and you're eating your animals, you know, you're fine. You ask what you think about vegans. You say one thing. If there's a vegan in the room, oh my God, there's such a visceral response that the non-vegan has because now there's this ambassador. So that ties in with that because as soon as then they know that you know, that there's going to be the vegan, what they're going to think about them, then they're seeing themselves through the vegan's eyes. It's in the face of the vegan that they feel more threatened. And that's why I emphasize vegans have to know that. And then the other thing on the second part of that was that the other value of knowing this is why vegans, uh, non-vegans act the way they do is that you don't take it personally then. So you ask me if, if people have negative reactions to me. They don't, but I, you know, I let them be playful. They'll kind of express the stereotypes of vegans, right? And I'm like, yeah, 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 right, blah, 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 blah. We get through that and then they do get to the place where they're like, I know you're right. I just haven't done it yet, or I'm having trouble, or I'm having a challenge, or where do you get your protein? Can you help me? That's why I say to vegans all the time, don't take it personally, have a sense of humor. It has nothing to do with you. And if you can get out of the way, just be the vegan in the room, let them get through that stuff. There, there's some really exciting stuff that happens past that. So this is exciting because this is like a formal study that actually demonstrates what I've been saying for a long time. So we know that the average meat-eater in Julia's study rated themselves as more moral than the average vegetarian, but that they rated the average vegetarian as more moral than the average, i.e. all the other meat-eaters. And we've talked about how those non-vegetarians in the study thought that the vegetarians rated their own, i.e. the meat-eaters' morality. But how did the vegetarians really rate the meat-eaters' morality? Were they as judgmental as the meat-eaters expected? In a follow-up study, Julia Minson found that vegetarians rated meat-eaters' morality as slightly lower than average, but meat-eaters thought vegetarians rated their morality as more than three times lower than that, meaning that meat-eaters were vastly overestimating how immoral vegetarians thought they were. So vegetarians are nothing like as judgmental as meat-eaters think they are. 
least they don't want to admit it in a study. Colleen Patrick Goudreau has a reputation for advocacy without judgment, but not being judgmental can sometimes really be a challenge. On the anniversary of when I went vegan, a Twitter follower asked me if it was difficult to be vegan, and I said it wasn't, but living in a world of moral apathy was really hard. How do you avoid that strong disagreement with unethical behavior spilling over into a dislike of people? Oh, gosh, I don't, I just know that it's not about that. I really, I don't go there because I know that's not what it's really about. I know it's about them and I know it's about their own discomfort. And in that discomfort, I know that there's the desire. And I really believe that people desperately want to reflect the compassion that's that's really inside them. It's just that everywhere we turn, everybody keeps the bar so low. Well, I think that's why people aren't happy. I think that's why people aren't fulfilled is because everybody's been letting everybody get away with good enough and we need to raise the bar. And what I find is that in raising the bar, people rise to meet it. And that's where I live and that's what I see every day. And it's a beautiful thing, but we need to raise the bar. You mentioned in one of your shows about not being able to go to a barbecue. Uh, well, was that because you'd be disgusted or because you'd be sad or because you'd be tempted to hate the people for what they were doing? <laughs> it's such a good question. There's, it's so funny because I actually want to go back and re-edit that episode. It's the only one that I think oh, I really need to go back. However, so, so I do go to more of them than I used to. Barbecues, I think, are just so unique because it's so centered around the celebration of this dead animal. It's just such a celebration of flesh. And it's, it's offensive. It's upsetting. It definitely takes all of my moral strength to not judge. I mean, I judge. I'm not saying I don't. I'm, I just try not to. But it takes all of my moral strength, not just not to judge. It's really not what it is when I think about it. It's to keep that face of joy and talk to the people there without, you know, pretending that there isn't someone frying on the barbecue. So it's just the more challenging of, of all of the social endeavors. That's why barbecue stood out for me. Also, because when I go out with non-vegan friends, most of our friends don't order animals in front of us. So it doesn't feel as acutely as it does as when I'm at a barbecue, but I've been doing it more because I think it's important to be there. And having said that, Sometimes it really depends on our own emotional state, right? But, um, but yeah, I, I kind of want to go back because I, it gave people permission to not go to places they didn't want to go to, and I'm glad for that. But I also don't want to make it sound like I, I draw that line and say, if you do go to barbecues, you don't care. You know what I mean? So it's, it's almost like I've heard that people in minority groups, that they feel like they are battling the stereotypes of their whole minority group. Mm, that's right. I sometimes feel that same way, you know, where we have to be shining examples because if I'm the only vegan somebody meets and I'm in a crappy mood, they're going to think all vegans are in crappy moods all the time. So much pressure. Yeah. It's true. You nailed it. And, you know, whether we like it or not, we represent vegans all the time. We are one person, but we represent the entire group of vegans. And sure, like if I'm cranky or if I'm not in a good mood, they're going to think that's what vegans are like. And... Sure, I think there's some pressure there because I want to I wanna be in such a good mood. And then I also walk that line. I mean, you know, lots of times if I go to a barbecue, 
we're, you know, I'm among friends or at least acquaintances. But I, I don't know. I've been in situations where people said, well, what's wrong? Are you okay? And I'm like, no, it's kind of upsetting being here. It's really upsetting to watch everybody be so um, apathetic about what's, what's going on on that grill. So I also can say that out loud, which means, you know, I'm not always like this, but I want you to know I'm like this now because this is, this is really upsetting. Is it fair to say that the, the barbecue is one situation where, where even Colin Patrick Goudreau feels tempted to be a bit judgmental? Oh, that's tricky because I, I took it back. I did. I took it back. I took it back. And I said, it's not judgmental that I feel. I think it's that it's that pressure to feel joyful all the time because I'm representing all vegans. So it's not judgmental. It's sadness and the pressure of, of always being a good advocate. Now, but of course I'm judgmental. Of course there are times I come home and I'm with my husband and I say, God, really? Did that person really have to do that? How could they have done that? You know, but by the end of that conversation, which doesn't last long, I, you know, I'm at, I know, I know, I know. I just, they just, they're not there yet. And I know, I know what that's about. I was there too. So I think it's our, it's our kind of surface reaction. Judgment is our surface reaction um, before we go deeper and understand what's going on. So of course I do that there. Thank you very much. It's out there. (laughs) and that is our show about judgment thank you colleen patrick goudreau dr julia minson and marla rose subscribe to us on itunes stitcher or your choice of podcatcher and never miss a show follow us and tweet at us as vegan option on twitter you can like us and comment at facebook.com slash vegan option and find links to Dr. Julia Minson's research and links to all our other guests at theveganoption.org. Rob Masters of Idiotech wrote the theme song. We, Ian McDonald and Diana Fleischman, produced this. Next month, we follow Ian's adventurous hunt for vegan food in Southeast Asia. Spoiler alert, he doesn't get eaten by a tiger. Copyright us.